Hey gang, welcome to Geeking Out, the podcast for collectors. I'm your host, Jeff French. I go by ETH Frenchie on Twitter. I'm the creator of the BPX Collective. And every week, we're going to bring you in-depth discussions with the industry's top experts, covering everything from sports cards to comics to TCGs and beyond. So sit back, relax, and join us as we geek out. And let's take your collection to the next level. Let's get started. All right, everyone, welcome to another edition of Geeking Out. I'm here today with my friend Aaron Cordero from uh, Palmetto Cards. Aaron was gracious enough to come back on with me. I told everybody I'm kind of just trying to get into the get into the groove here with uh, with the with the pod after the big uh, BPX release and getting our auction platform up for the rewards and that sort of thing. So just kind of been a little bit behind and just felt that it would be good to do a catch up on really kind of a lot of things that we're seeing in the IRL card hobby, um, sports, uh, talk, we can talk a little bit of uh, TCG. We can then kind of move into what are we seeing in the broader world of, of sports and different drivers that may be driving collectibles and then come back and circle back into what we're seeing in digital and then what we're seeing kind of in the, uh, the BPX ecosystem itself. So Aaron, thanks. Welcome for uh, coming in today. Awesome. I'm happy to be here and I uh, love doing these things. So I guess one of the biggest pieces of news, you and I were just talking about it off camera there a bit, and admittedly something that I don't know a tremendous amount about, but it's been making the rounds in social media. If you're in the card hobby, it's been hard to ignore it, um, is that uh, there were some announcement of PWCC having some uh, some reduction in staff, so a RIF, a reduction in force this week. And, uh, you know, you were talking about that. Obviously, you you run your own businesses. I run my own businesses. And so we've, we've seen kind of some takes on the internet. And then you and I were kind of both and maybe had a little bit different takes. So you want to maybe just kind of speak to kind of what your thoughts are on that and that news that's been circulating around? Yeah, Jeff. I um, I, I think in general it, it's a you know macro thing. The the hobby's kind of normalizing, but again, I, I don't care if it was NFTs. I don't care if it's cards. I don't care if it was the stock market. You know, we come out of COVID. We we had just this bull market in cards, and I don't care if you're PWCC, Golden, any of the big guys. Um, I think you'd probably have to take a step back and, and analyze your business. And my gut says that's probably what they've done here. They probably just analyzed their business and said, hey, we, we don't need as many people as maybe we had and uh, just trying to trying to get things under control. Yeah, I mean, overall, when I go to their auctions and stuff and I look and I mean, look, I'm a, a long-term buyer at PWCC and Golden Heritage, all of them. I'm a participant in the card hobby. And even, even as we launch our reward auctions and that sort of thing, I'm a big believer there's um there's there's room for different people to carve out different niches and, and places and i'm a fan of all those businesses and wish them all well and i mean i feel like pwcc's business is great i mean i i i feel like they've done some innovative things in their auction the the moving the extended time which they did on their weekly auction first and now it's on um the premier auction i do wish the premier auction i wish they would uh, still close them in rolling. I wish they'd close in rolling lots because it, that does get a little bit annoying that it one item will extend the whole auction for every lot. Whereas in the weekly, it's you could bid in everything, but they still do the rolling closes by lots. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, the auction itself is is solid. They seem to be getting good stuff in there. I mean, it's I've seen people saying things like you know, literally on social media saying pull your cards out of the vault. And I mean, I I have a fairly substantial amount of cards in their vault, and I certainly have not. I haven't pulled anything out of the vault and don't feel that I will beyond anything that I would normally anyway. So I don't know. It just feels like a little bit overblown. Um, I could be wrong. Um, but I, I agree with that totally. I think, I think too often people like to focus on negatives, um, versus reality. Um, and in general, I, I just, I think that the hobby can be really, really bad. Social media, more people like to point out negatives than, than positive, right? Um, this year. I think it's just the nature of the, of the business. So, just yeah. kind of my two cents. Yeah, another point that I heard made, and it was, and it was that they also had some liquidations. Again, this is all rumor. This stuff that I see, or people text me, I don't know any of this, but I would be shocked if there weren't some liquidations on some of those loans. If people got loans on stuff eight, 12 months ago, and if they got the loan on a 40% loan to value and, and some of the stuff that we've seen, I mean, if you had 40% loan to value on LeBron cards 12 months ago, that you're probably getting a margin call and getting liquidated. So, and it wouldn't surprise me to see some of those people walk away from those cards and leave the, 
leave the bank, which is, as I understand, is mostly private investors that fund those things, um, leave them having to liquidate those cars. None of that surprises me. I mean, I think that's that's what I would have expected to happen. I would have been surprised if they didn't have liquidations, frankly. Um, yeah, I, again, I, I agree with that. And, and I go back to so many people want to focus on the negatives. Uh, you know, case in point, I think you and I talked, we might've talked about this on the last podcast we did, you know, you, you sold Mike Trout during the peak, right? I think it's refractor. Didn't you set a record when you sold that card? Yeah, I set a record for a refractor, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so that, that, that sell, you know, that sells out there as a public. Now that card's less than half. I mean, it's probably less $20,000, And I think you got over six figures for that card. Maybe if I, yes. if I remember right. Just bumping up on 150, I think. Yeah. So my point to that is just simply people want to focus on the negative. They want to look now and say, Hey, that card's way, way down. You know, the market was up, but in general, if you're in cards, you, you took the profits, you did different things and you re, you know, reacted, you win some, you lose some, and hopefully in the end, you won more than you lost or, or whatever from a, from a financial standpoint. And again, I think you always like to say, this is never financial advice, but if you're in this space, you, you, you kind of measure things, wins and losses, you know, taking, you know, uh, taking profits, but you got, you got to do that. And back to PWCC, I think they saw such a bull market everything was going so well they probably had to add a ton of people um for cataloging um you know they they went off at ebay there you know they got kicked off at ebay um that's a whole nother story but then they brought on a partnership i think with um mba and they're trying to do stuff with the raw card they're trying to be innovative so i mean i applaud them for you know not being stagnant and trying to do different things and i think they're just trying to figure out what's working for them and no i'm not surprised on if they were loaning values based on on those old numbers, um, definitely people probably said, "Hey, I'd rather give up a card." Yeah, again, I know that all the big auction houses, uh, no no secret, no love lost between them. Um, and I, and I kind of think of the three big ones: Golden, PWCC, and Heritage. And I, I don't, I think any of the people from there would say there's probably no love lost. But I actually like them all. I use them all. And again, I see the little niche that we're looking to carve out in our world as being markedly different and i i um we, we, i'm not saying we won't com compete with them on some segments here and there on some different things but overall i don't see them as competitive and i still plan to be a customer with, of, of all of them as long as they'll as long as they'll have me and not get their feathers ruffled by what we're building but uh, i wish them the best and i think it's kind of overblown so speaking of that let's talk about another one of those big three ken's a superstar now he's on Netflix, so oh, yeah. the golden touch um have you watched any of it yet I've watched a couple episodes. Um, so we watched two and, uh, you know, I've actually enjoyed them. Um, there's moments, I think things, you know, they build a little stage, but I think of course, I mean, that's just reality, you know, of what they're doing, but sure. I actually enjoy it. Um, I remember when that Jackie Robinson auction was launching, I think I was texting you and some other people and I'm like, Holy cow, they got a Jersey, but the letter, they touched on that letter just briefly on the, um, that was one of the coolest things in the whole auction. I know, man, I kind I kind of wish they would spend a little more time on it or even read it or just something because man that was that letter was so powerful i remember seeing that sending it to all my friends going this is like this needs to be in a museum you know because that was just you know if he was writing about everything you know all his feelings and um that was pretty wild yeah so it's definitely it's definitely embellished it's definitely dramatized but i think at its core it's it's probably got a lot of a lot of truth in. I mean, if I had to speculate, I would say a lot of these deals, you know, Ken probably cherry picked. Oh, okay, this is going to be a really big deal. We're going to get some jerseys from this guy. Let's put him in the show. We're going to have. Oh, we're getting the the Lewis Hamilton super fracture. Let's fly these people in and tell their story. But the but the underlying stuff, I I do feel was was certainly I think rooted in 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 truth and what we saw. And it was. Definitely some stuff where they embellish some of the prices of, of what things were uh, were worth, especially the stuff they didn't sell. Did you notice that? Anything that wasn't getting sold was worth a lot more. <laughs> the stuff that was going to actually go to auction, anytime they talked about those prices, they were always in the ballpark, but then they would talk about some things that weren't going to sell. They would say what it was worth. I'd be like, that's not what that's worth. But, yeah. um, but overall, I think, I think it's great for the hobby as a whole. I, I definitely think... It's kind of like the whole antique road show and some of these other things. That show is going to get some people to watch on Netflix, and they're going to be thinking to themselves, "Oh my goodness, do I have some some stuff to consign?" And then talking about it for their business. Um, again, knowing how cutthroat it is between them and PWCC and Heritage, um, 
I'm sure the other guys, they probably don't like that show a whole lot because I definitely think it's given them some pretty, pretty cool exposure. Yeah. I, again, I, I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, there's some, I don't know, there's some corny moments to it, you know, um, but it all, it all feels pretty real. I, you know, I know some guys that have uh, consigned a lot of cards and memorabilia to Golden over the years. I've consigned a lot of stuff. I know you have, no, I have almost other folks that have as well. And, you know, someone told me one time, and I'm not going to say their name, but they said, you know, I always used Ken because he was scrappy. He always made me feel like he was going to fight to get me that extra dollar more than yep. right before before he was before before the big buyout before all of that i mean that, that ken was a hustler man he would get after it right and and i think you even i remember right um you and i both sent a bunch of cards in one time and i think you sent in an akuna maybe or an akuna it was a big card or something and you negotiate with nothing i said i want to yeah, didn't you ask to like be a top five or ten item in an auction, or you know what I mean? So he was a wheeler and a dealer, and I don't know if all these other guys do that, you know, to the extent he's willing to do it. Uh, but because he's, you know, he's like he doesn't want that card to go to someone else. Right. No, he's a, he's very he's a very competitive, and again, I, I like them all. He's the one with the show right now. If you haven't watched it, the Golden Touch on. If you, if you like collectibles and stuff, I mean, turn on your BS filter on some of it. If you're, the, but the thing is, the normies they they have to entertain normal people that aren't knee deep in cards. They can't get into the technical aspects of every little thing and giving a a broad range. I mean, like when they talk about certain cards, they'll. They'll, you know, they'll paint them at the top end of the range, or they'll, they, they, they did a box break with Logan Paul, and the prices they used were probably even dated for when they were filming. I'm not sure when they were filming. It might not have been dated at the time, because, but anyway, it, it just, um, you know, and and some of the stuff. I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but there was there was one part where I was like, oh, they're gonna pull something right here, and and uh, I, I don't want to spoil it, but if if you haven't watched it, it's a, it, it's it's entertaining, and I and more importantly, I feel like it'll be entertaining to non hobby people and it has a chance i think to maybe get their interest peaked and not everybody that watches that is going to be able to bid on the type of items they highlighted in the show or send those items in because they just don't own them but i think it definitely everybody's got their level and i think it can spark some interest on down so yeah for sure i actually got an email recently from uh, dave amberman you know he's one of the main guys on there and uh yes. he, he's he, he emailed me several times you know hey we're going to be running this hey we're going to be running that and you know i've sent plenty of cards to him over the years uh in fact yeah. i got a pretty good credit with him right now i probably need to buy some stuff in uh, one of their upcoming auctions yeah frank has always been my guy over there and he, he didn't get he was in the show a little bit but i didn't see him as much i was like dang I was, I've, I've dealt with him so much um and then ken directly but those those have been the two guys that i've dealt with uh the most over there but so um let's keep kind of moving along here like what are you seeing right now in the world of uh, grading obviously you have wonderful insight in that running your grading business we had a little bit of a discussion breakout last night in discord um talking about grading uh, somebody was asking if they should get some specific Pokemon cards graded, and one of them happened to be a first ed 99 base set Charizard, and I was like, uh, yes, no matter what that grade is, you need to get that damn thing slabbed. Um, but uh, what are you seeing overall in uh, in the world of grading these days? How's, how's grading counts, grading, are they grading any harder, easier? Like what? No, that, that, you know, that. Grading still seems to be rolling along. I, you know, our numbers are probably a little bit skewed because we went from just doing grading only to opening up a store and then having grading in the store. So we had a ton of people that were, you know, just always shipping us tons and tons of uh, cards. And then those folks, you know, they slowed down sending us cards. But in the store, on the other hand, we are absolutely, you know, just every day people are dropping off cards left and right, you know. So we're, we're grading a ton of cards. You know, my rule of thumb, and I say this all the time, right or wrong, uh, but just my two cents is I, I kind of feel like, you know, don't grade it. You know, you don't want the grading to be like more than, say, 10% of the card value. And what I see time and time again is people wanting to grade cards that are less than 50 bucks. In some cases, they're wanting to grade 10 and $20 cards and uh, they're going to get wrecked. We try to coach them and tell them, hey, I would, don't do this unless this is like a card and you just want slab, whatever, because I'd rather see you save your money, buy a box of cards or buy some singles or whatever it is that you want to do. Just too often, I think people are grading for the wrong reasons. I don't know. 
there's just a, a bad expectation. I don't know if they think there's they have to grade because it's the cool thing or or whatever. But I, you know, I try to keep it simple. If the card makes you happy, and then keep it right and don't grade it. If you want to grade it, grade it for the right reasons. Um, but everyone's got goals, you know. So I always try to just kind of have some basic, you know, rules of thumb for people when it comes to the card. Yeah, I think you do have some guys on some of those cards that maybe lower dollar. They want to be ready for a leg up, so they're willing to kind of make some risk, right? So they'll take a twenty dollar card that they think is a PSA ten. They'll grade it. Maybe now it's a thirty dollar card, thirty five, and they they didn't get anything. They probably haven't lost a ton but now they're in the slab and if that card does leg up they're ahead of the curve on having to wait they're the first ones to get them to market and a lot of times you see that a lot of times those are the guys that really really win and, and sell cards for for bigger numbers i mean we saw that you and i were having a discussion about the impel marble set one of the funnest sets i've ever ripped um a product is just obliterated coming out of the box and back when COVID hit all of those had relatively low PSA 10 supply so the people that had graded those they had graded a $30 card and then they sold them for two and three thousand dollars and now the market's caught back up and those same cards are back down to 150 dollars so it may be some of that the guys are they're speculating on the future um but uh but and a lot of times they could just be totally uninformed and they're just they don't know what the hell they're doing and they grade the wrong stuff because that we definitely saw a lot of that too there's there's a lot of you and i've talked about i don't think we're the only ones coining the phrase the junk slab era it's it's definitely here it's upon us there's a lot of junk in slabs these days no for sure and you know i I, look we see it all when people bring them in um yeah just like you know with uh the discord and, and uh, the BTX world, you, you built a community. We're trying to build a community in our card shop. You know, people walk in and I tell them like, you know, and I've coached a team, you know, Hey, Hey, we, we grade cards for a living, but at the same time, we, we don't want to see you be wasteful um, with your money. Um, so we want to build trust with our, with our customers and uh, we try to help them in that regard. And, you know, I see a lot of guys that were, you know, eBay flippers or whatever, where they would send us a couple hundred cards and then these subs start popping off really fast and quickly i mean you know we're floating some guys because they got out over their skis um again i think the market you know caught up to them grading timelines turned around and um you know so we're sitting there holding their card for a time period until they can you know finally pay and catch up and and that's the other side of of grading right that you know a lot of people don't want to talk about how are grading turnaround times right now across the three major graders? Yeah, so we, we use uh, BGS, SGC, and PSA. And, you know, BGS fills teams pretty lengthy in, in general. Um, you know, they're a little, just their procedures, the way they do things are a little bit different. Um, and I wouldn't, you know, I'd have to actually ask Meredith on this, but I would say their timelines have been pretty consistent, you know, whether it's four to six weeks, I haven't heard anything that, that stands out when it comes to, to BGS, you know, taking too long. STC is by far and away the fastest. Um, you know, it seems like we send them cards and we're getting them back within two weeks, sometimes even faster. Um, and PSA, we, you know, we're basically, you know, uh, quoting people 65 business days on the standard bulk. Um, and then again, we have to remind people, you know, 65 business days from the time we it's checked in at PSA, right? So um, a lot of people forget that, hey, they drop a card off. It might take us a week to actually get that card out the door. And then, it, you know, we ship it to them. And then it might take a few days to get it checked in and get in the queue and everything else. So they quote 65 business days from the time of check-in. And, that, and they've been running pretty true to that. At one point, they were, I mean, months behind just checking their stuff in. I mean, so, you know, a lot of, they've caught up a lot on, on all that stuff, obviously, which is, which is good to see. But... And SGC just put out a thing, um, you know, uh, again, uh, you know, it's good and good and bad, right? Like good that they're offering deals, um, challenging for a, you know, bulk submitter like myself, um, like our, our company, because uh, they're doing a Bowman special. 23 Bowman just came out and they're offering $9 a card, um, you know, and people walk in, hey, are y'all, y'all doing this? And, you know, we are, however, um, we don't get a... Uh, we don't get a, a discount on that, right? So we just have to kind of add a margin and still offer the service and just be honest with people and say, hey, you know, we have to mark it up because, you know, we have a cost associated with, uh, you know, king and shipping and insurance and all those things. And some people don't understand that. But, um, 
you know, but it's an interesting take for me because SGC is clearly being aggressive. They want to try to get more car and more Bowman in their, in their slabs. And then you got PSA over here, uh, not doing a discount because I think they know that their stuff's bringing a premium. Yeah. I'm, I'm overall impressed by what I've seen out of SGC's ability to, cause they have grown their business pretty significantly. Now, every time I see the report, the weekly grading report, they're like number two on it, or I guess maybe CGC's getting a bunch of business now too, but they're out of those three, they're a second behind PSA there, and they're well ahead of what Beckett is putting out in a weekly basis. And they've done it. And, and I haven't seen like a lot of quality fall back on that. Like, um, no, everything else. I trust their slab. I mean, when I buy cards that have that SGC 10 on it, not even the gold label, just the base AC, the, the regular 10, those are nice cards and their nine fives are nice. I mean, it's, it's a, they, they, they grade tough. I think, I mean, it's other people have, I've, and I think a lot of it too might be just where they put their focus. I think like you don't really see many things at all in SGC 10 where the eye appeal isn't just right on point with centering and that sort of thing. Like I don't, I feel like they're tighter on to get a 10 on SGC. I just don't see a lot of off-centered stuff in their slabs. Like on PSA, I feel like I see a lot more stuff that I look at. I'm like, man, that car's way off-center to have a PSA 10. But then they're weighting the corners and the edges a little bit stronger. They were a little bit more lenient maybe on centering. Maybe well, that's probably stronger on that. I don't know. Yeah, and the PSA has the, has it posted. I want to say it's like 5545, if I remember yeah. right, or 6040. Yeah, it's on their website. You know, they, they give a little bit. There's no way that the John Morant prisms that are in that, go, go look at them. There's no way those things are fifty five forty five as a whole. Like it, I think if they really and truly held to that standard, I don't know that there would there would be many John Moran Prism rookies. And maybe, maybe there's just certain cards that they looked at coming coming out of the pack and said, "Oh boy, there's a, we're not going to be able to give any tens if we stick to this." I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I think that may be so. I think they actually have said that that they'll they'll make certain issue related things. So anyway, that's a deep rabbit hole. I don't want to, they, they all do a good job. I, I trust, obviously I trust PSA. No, they do. And uh, I can't remember if on the last, last time you and I talked, you know, we had the whole debacle with BGS and the, they were going to do away with the gym plus and all that. That was a, that was kind of crazy. Yeah. That, that was a fiasco. But one, one thing is clear because I think CGC did this. They started out doing nine fives and they went away from doing nine fives and they went to tens. And now when you look at like that weekly report, you know, um, you see how much they're growing as a company. CGC doesn't have a nine five anymore. No, they're doing, they've gone to tens. So are the, like, do you know if you crack a legacy nine five, is it likely to go and get a 10? Well, I'm sure they won't just upgrade it. You probably have to crack it and resubmit it. I, I would assume that's the case. I don't know. I've, but, got a few, I've got a few nice magic cards in their slab as nine five. I might need to think about cracking those puppies. I didn't know that. I didn't know they had done that. They had done away with their nine five break. I, I think Pete, Beckett. So much of this stuff, man, is you have to just you you have to work with your community. And there are a lot of people that have a financial interest tied in Beckett. There's a lot of frustration for people that that trusted Beckett. I know that the Bowman Chrome Autograph community trusted them significantly going in through the the you know the the mid 2000s um or, or 2010 eras plus so like the starting in say 15 16 17 18 i mean we were we were really heavy into bgs at that time and trusting the subgrades the auto grades and i think you then see them get you know, do, make some missteps and maybe not consult with their customers in the community and now people are kind of bitter about them because they feel like we put you this trust in you. And now the cards that I had, a, 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 a true gem plus with two 10 subgrades, probably a better card, probably than most PSA 10s. And it doesn't get a better price. And I think people are frustrated by that. And that leads to you don't have as much room to make missteps. And for them, I, I think that that move probably could have been done it would not have been perfect, but if they would have taken anything that was a true gem and said, we're going to move it to this kind of base 10 grade, um, I, you would have had some pristine owners that would have been unhappy with that. But when they, but, but when they said, we're going to take true gems and we're going to make them not be the gem anymore, that was where I think it was just a death blow, like a yeah. four, a quad nine, five 
if that's not going to be a gym, a gym mint, and you've told me that for the last 20 years, that was where I think the whole thing just went severely off the rails. Um, but anyway, it seems like they've walked that completely back. I don't know if they'll bring something back or, I mean, I, I, my gut says they won't because the, it was just, it, just, it was butchered so bad. And then they had their own materials that they, and look, man, you get departments, you got one department's in charge of trade shows. You got one department then, and they're, they're working on online communications. They don't get synced up. The poster in, that was in Vegas said that a true gem was it, was it going to be, uh, they weren't going to bump nine, five trues up, but then they sent out a paper that said they were, I mean, it was just, it was butchered. It was just butchered. But so I want to, uh, real quick, I just want to correct myself. Uh, and so no one, uh, beats me up because I know how these things go viral. Um, I'm on CSG's website and we haven't gone viral in a whole lot yet. So if you want to butcher something and send us a viral on the podcast, I mean, I don't care. Let's go. I mean, you go for it. All right. Well, so, so they do have a nine five, but they call it a min plus. So, um, they have a 10 that's a gym mint, and then they have a 10 perfect. Okay. Yeah, I saw that gold label they had, which is kind of like a piece. I'm but I think something changed because someone told me, and maybe, and maybe that's what I need to research here, but I think maybe their 9-5 used to be a gym, and they're now calling gyms. Maybe they did what Becky wanted to do, and maybe maybe they just weren't big enough at the time to where it caused a whole bunch of feather ruffling or something. Yeah, I've been curious. Maybe the radar. If you've got some 9-5s, you ought to pull them out and just see if they say Mint Plus or if they say Gym off. You know? Yeah, I'll do that. I do. I have some Magic the Gathering cards that are in that. I may have a couple Pokemon in that slab, too. Um, I actually like our slabs. They're, they're nice nice slabs. No, they do, and they feel really nice. They're, they're, they're definitely the most modern feeling of the slabs. I, I wish that they had shortened the top a little bit. Um, they, they gave a lot of room to the label, but the slab itself, it almost feels like, it, it almost feels like something that Apple would produce. Like mm -hmm. the seal is different. Like it's real smooth, rounded edges. It's got, it's, it's kind of like if you're holding say an SGC or a BGS or even a PSA slab, it, it feels like you've got this more square boxy clunky OG thing, which that's, that's certainly nostalgic to a lot of people anyway. But then the CGC is definitely a more streamlined iPhone-esque type type slab and you know they have a good reputation coming out of you know comics and and all that stuff and, and obviously see tcg stuff embrace them so so let's talk about maybe a few releases that we've seen so why don't we start with uh what you've seen as far as uh bowman um what's how did how did that rollout go and um and i know there was a point that you you were telling me yesterday something that tops was doing with some d to c type stuff like what are you what are you seeing in the in the release yeah. in, on the sports side on the yeah. baseball specifically yeah, so so Bowman released. Um, I want to say uh, release day was last Wednesday. Um, I know Tops had no, they they did like a pre-sale online, and uh, we we had some customers that you know purchased in their pre-sale right on their website, and uh, it was Saturday before the release day, and we had some uh, you know guys come in and they they literally were like, hey, did you get your Bowman, did you get your Bowman. I was like, no, we haven't gotten them yet. And uh, so, but release day is not till Wednesday. They were like, oh, we got ours in the mail, and I was like got yours in the mail they were like oh yeah we did the pre-sale and i was like hmm. so i know that was a you know major concern of of, of dealers breakers and everyone out there is, is is how are they gonna operate in this new fanatics world with d to c and and hey look in my in my other world and the other businesses that i work in there's a lot of d to c and everybody's figured out you know uh, kind of the ground rules um but you know on this particular one uh i would say it's stung a little bit as a retailer um you know that release day's coming consumers have the product and um you know we we kind of been told from our wholesalers like hey you can't release your product you know anytime before release day or you know maybe you'll get your account pulled or things like that so i just maybe there was just a bad execution on this i don't know um we got we ended up getting our you know bowman in we've been selling some bowman um i wouldn't say it's like flying off the shelves i think people were curious to see how prices will, will do because sometimes that stuff comes out and it shoots up sometimes it'll you know it'll settle a little bit i mean we've sold some don't get me wrong but um the, the hype felt a little different this time and maybe it's a you know maybe maybe it's because a lot of people bought some online you know those dollars kind of moved in versus somebody coming into the shop I, I think that's definitely something that they need to get kind of in in check there because I mean the the local shops and I'm not just saying this because you're my friend and you're a local shop owner I mean they're the lifeblood of the hobby I think about that from us in the digital space and 
what are things that we can do to continue to make sure that the local shops are um, try to be symbiotic with the whole hobby and let the tide rise all the ships. And I'm not looking to cut you know their business in any way or compete with them. And we've got some shop owners in our community, you and Zeddies and Bacon Bangers, guys that have physical card shops and. Um, I mean, I want all of y'all to do tremendously well, and and I think they're lifeblood of the hobby, and I think Tops and Fanatics as a whole, I think that's something that they need to get their ducks in a row on. I, I definitely would not. I, I don't think that's something that they want to see continue to happen. Um, and and they have said that they they view they they've made comments, public comments about what how important they view the local shops. I think who they probably maybe don't view as important. Um, maybe some of the distributors. Like, I feel like if you look at Fanatics, I think they, if they may be looking more at a margin cut to kind of get a little bit more direct with the shops and, um, I don't know, just my observation of how... I've talked talk to a number of shop owners and some large breakers and, you know, whether they bought direct or through distribution or both, um, they all, everyone said their Bowman allocation was cut down this time. Um, you know, I've talked to a few other shops, you know, in the past, they may say get eight cases this year, they got half as much. So clearly that is going somewhere else, but I'll, it, could also, it could also be the cut production too, could be. Yeah. I don't feel like that's the case when I see the parallels and the different stuff that I'm, that I'm seeing coming out of the product. Um, I, I think it's just, they're trying to figure out, but I also think there's more hobby shops, right? I mean, like, we're new for we've already been open six months um, born out born out of the COVID era and the boom i mean you no know, so I, I have to think there's probably others i mean you know um i've heard uh i don't have any facts on this but i've heard that you know that they're they've onboarded a few hundred new shops and you know that's also exciting to think that there's people willing to invest in the hobby um, you know, and I, and look, look, I'm a, I'm a hobby shop owner, but I feel like if you, you know, you sign a long-term lease and you know, you're going to do all the big boy things, um, you know, they should, they should, uh, try to help you out, you know? Um, because like you said, I mean, in, in South Carolina, there's not a ton of hobby shops and, uh, you know, we're the only one here in the, in the Columbia area, um, closest shops to us are hour and a half, two hours away. So, you know, we're definitely feeling a need and I'm sure there's others that, that feel the same way across the country. Um, you mentioned other, you know, just some other new releases. Um, we got in dynasty. That's a super cool high end product. Um, had a couple boxes of those, uh, ripped in the store. We got in the Bowman, we got an archive signature series. Um, we got in a case of archive signature series and it's just one, uh, one autograph in a box, modern players. We sold um, an entire case in about 24 hours. That was pretty cool. Um, so we did. People, How many were people? Are people coming to the store to get that product, or they come in and they say, "Oh, you have it. I'm going to buy it." Or are they making a special trip? They walk in. That's what I want. Straight to the register, and they're out. Like I, is I, that, I think our I think you know our team does a really good job. Jacob does a great job, and people walk in about telling them, "Hey, here's what's new. Here's what we've gotten in in the last week." And he likes to point that yeah. stuff out to him. And again, that archive signature was a product we were selling in the shop for eighty bucks, so not crazy expensive. And you know, people were like, oh, "I'm going to get an autograph of." modern players so they took a shot on it then uh, we got in some of the new ufc product and then uh, we sold you know sold what we got in that same day so we got a little bit more of that coming but i expect we'll sell it really quick too gotcha um yeah and so looking over to like on the um the all, all on the tcg side for folks that follow that magic just did their big march of the machine that's the the general consensus is is that hasbro who has just been getting slaughtered since they screwed up so bad with magic 30 at the end of the year um reprinted a bunch of cards and really just kind of pissed off the community really bad they've the, the, the general consensus is that they've cut production kind of way back and that march machine set has actually been going up already and, and we don't even know if that's going to get reprinted they're also on a bit of a short fuse because they have another smaller set aftermath coming after that um, but then the big thing that they're trying, that they're rolling towards right now is that big Lord of the Rings release. And so it would make sense that from, if you're, if you're looking at them having right now, they need their products to do well, to really put it on a tee, to really hit a grand slam home run with that, with that Lord of the Rings set and chasing that one ring and all that kind of cool stuff. For people that don't know, they're going to put a serialized one of one ring in one of the boxes. I mean, and, and I mean, I have to think that'll be a. I have to think that'll be a million dollar car. Yeah, that that's going to be crazy. And you and I've talked about that before. I've always said it's a shame, like you know, like 
Pokemon, like Sim can't figure out how to do, you know, like the Bowman Chrome for Charizard. I mean, because I think yeah, I mean they are they are Magic is doing the parallel cards now. They started that in the Brothers War set. Now that they, they are they do have parallel serialized cards in March of the Machine. Um, and those seem to be holding kind of some wax and set values a little bit better. Pokemon just released Scarlet and Violet. Um, odd, you know, everybody's expecting pretty big reprints to come on the back of that. That's but it's been doing relatively well. I mean, it's they're they're cheaper today than they were on release, but it's not like they've imploded or anything. Like a case might have cost you seven hundred for six boosters, and now it's six fifty, six sixty. I don't know, but yeah, there was a there was just. At the time of Scarlet and Violet, it just felt like there was just a pop that was coming. You know, there was there hadn't been anything in a while. Then then they released that. We did well with it. Um, you know, we sell we sell it every day. Um, yeah, Pokemon does well in our store. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so those that's kind of covering kind of the world of uh, of of what we've seen across the the different things with new releases. So what about drivers in sports right now? So um, I will admit I've just been busy. I haven't had time to tune into the NBA playoffs. I haven't even watched baseball like I want to. I've just been too busy. Um, but uh, you know, I, I did see Giannis bounced, um, and I saw. Jaw get bounced, and those are kind of the the two guys, the, the the two modern guys that I have some exposure to. Um, what else are you seeing in the uh, in the in the NBA playoffs, and how it's maybe affecting uh, the card market? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, I think the question everybody has is who's gonna who's gonna survive this next uh, round, Steph or LeBron, right? Uh, and you know, I was watching SportsCenter this morning, and, the, and those guys were talking about that. They said if you think about the last few years. Steph's really climbed the ladder in terms of, you know, all-time status. And, uh, you know, if if one of, if Steph were to go on, let's just say bounce the Lakers, you know, the, if, if they advance and they were to win again, I mean, now he's got five rings and LeBron has four rings. And, you know, they basically played the same era together, you know. I mean, they're totally different players and their styles, but – you know, there are a lot of people that have that conversation. I mean, it's felt like it's been a LeBron league for a really long time, but it's hard not to root for Steph Curry, man. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, like I was talking, I don't know if this actually made it into a, the podcast I did with him or not, but I was having this conversation with Cooper, is, it, is that Steph Curry changed basketball, whereas, you know, LeBron, amazing generational talent, and people love these guys that play with power above the rim, and, and he's he's the electric, exciting player to watch but Steph just sitting out there burying threes and extending the three-point arc to where it's almost irrelevant you come across half court these guys today are they'll they'll toss it up if you give them space and they'll and they'll shoot 40 percent from just inside half court and and Steph Curry is the guy that changed the game and so when you look back in these different eras and see the guys that changed the game and then like you said you it, you don't hear many people putting his name up there in the goat conversation, right? But you get the extra rings, you get those the the, the, the amount of scoring he puts down. LeBron obviously has the the total uh, point scored. That's a that was a big number, and it goes a long way for him and his part of the debate. I'm a Michael Jordan maxi. Um, I think Michael Jordan played in a different era. I don't care what the stats say. I think Michael Jordan's the goat. Period. Full stop. For me, I'm not really going to have that conversation. But um, when you start talking about other players, I don't know. I mean, Steph is. It's you're right. It's impressive, and and his stuff as a whole. You know, you look at him, and and it's it's just. I, I don't know how collectors will view it long term. Right? Is it is that type of play going to be the type of play that will hold card value after his career is done? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't. I don't have any exposure to him, and I can't, I I can't say I have a ton of of pull that makes me want to go get major exposure to him. But that's kind of where I'm at on it. I don't. I just don't. If I was going to go out today personally and buy a big basketball card of one of those two guys, I actually think I would go buy stuff over LeBron. That's just me. <laughs> and and some of that's probably because you know he played in Davidson, and I like like his story and 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 so many different things. But that's just me. Um, I do think um, you know talking about uh, NBA, I think Denver's probably the team to beat. Um, now, granted, they got a win, um, but man, I love watching Jokic play. Um, he's just that. I don't know when I when I see him run up and down the court, he runs kind of weird, and he looks like he's really not in that great of shape. But that guy just he can hoop. I mean, he is, but is anybody gonna want his cards? 
like oh, awesome. at a big I'm, level. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the the the, the game of basketball. I, mean, I was just trying to think more along the lines of like what what are the storylines right now that so, will so to be carry into the offseason as it relates to collectibles. Like I would expect, just because of how fickle the market is, I would expect Morant stuff will gradually slide and until you start building some anticipation for next season, the fact that they they didn't go very far in the postseason, combine that with the stuff he did off the court this year, his stuff is probably going to slide. Um, and uh, it, it amazes me, but I, I like I don't feel like like Giannis stuff probably I don't think will slide too much just because he's he's not I don't feel like he's overcooked anyway for the greatness that he is and the player he is. I feel like his stuff is not necessarily overcooked, so I don't know that his will do a whole lot, but. He's also already got MVPs. Yeah, there was a, a Giannis Orange 9.5 that just sold. I think it, it sold fairly cheap. Um, We've got a Giannis Dime Silver in the uh, RAS. Yeah, that's a that. I mean, that's a big card. Um, you know, and that was a fifty thousand dollar type card at, uh, at you know in Pete maybe even higher than that, but it was uh, it was up there. Um, I don't know what that card would go for today. I. I can't remember where that was comped or, or or what it was, but it was uh, it's a good card and um, definitely one that uh, I think will be a, a hot chase item in their upcoming rounds. Yeah, the player I mentioned, I'm probably most interested, invested in is uh, Jamal Murray for the Nuggets. I have a I have two of his Prism Golds, um, you know, and Prism Golds are you know big cards in the basketball world. And we just I just saw a, a BGS 10 sell on uh, uh, I think it was Golden. Um, that just had it and it was gold or PWCC one of them had it in their auction and it just sold, I think it sold about $12,000, um, which was, I thought was a pretty good number for that card. Um, maybe, maybe it's had low, but I had two of them, you know, and, uh, he played well the other night. I didn't play so great last night, but they still won. So that's my vested interest. Um, you know, in, in as far as the playoffs go. <laughs> How about baseball surprises, anything kind of that you look at and you're like, wow, they didn't really see that coming. No, I mean Acuna's playing well. He's healthy. Um, in our in our shop, people love Braves stuff. I know you're you're a big Braves guy, but he's he's playing well. Um, Otani's just electric. I mean, he hit a bomb the other night, and just to see what he's doing day in and day out is just crazy impressive. Aaron Judge is on the IL. Hopefully, he'll get get it uh, get healthy here and get back on the field. Uh, they put him. I think they put him on the IL yesterday for for ten days or so. Um, just I think he just tweaked his hip or something, and uh, obviously they want they want to get him right. But all in all, baseball, you know, we sell more baseball in our store than anything. Um, I think it's got to do with the market. Um, you know, but baseball does does really really well. Yeah, and uh, you know, talking about Acuna, the thing with him is a little bit surprising to me. He's obviously stealing bags. He's getting on base. He's getting. He's hitting. He's hitting some doubles and stuff. But his overall, his home runs are not where I would necessarily expect him to be. He's only got like four or five bombs, I think. And although he does have, he, I know he's up. He's he's over a dozen stolen bases already. So if he gets hot and starts hitting some balls out of the ballpark and get him back to flirt with that forty forty type thing, that'd be that'd be good. I know Alonzo's been hitting hitting a lot of bombs. He's another one of those guys. He's in that New York market. He's a guy that could, I mean, he could get hot and he's a guy that gets sixty home runs. I mean, he's just you know that big strong type player and um, his his pop flies can leave the yard. Um, I know Devers is having a good year as far as hitting home runs. I remember seeing he was up the chart. I think Max Muncy was uh, was up there too. Um, I think he had. I think he was uh, was pretty. I think he hit it. He's up to ten or twelve home runs. Really? Yeah. The um, the but like you know the, it, when you when you look at baseball right now, I mean we're just kind of still getting settled in. And like you said, I think at the end of the year, if these guys are healthy, you'll see a lot of the normal suspects that'll, that'll kind of rise to the top. And, uh, you know, I'll look for, you know, trout when, you know, the season doesn't start till trout's leading in war basically. So, hey, no, just so you know, Brett Rooker is fifth in MLB and home runs with nine. I can't remember if I still have his super refractor or not in Bo McCrone autograph. I had it. <laughs> I feel like Cooper sold that of a joke for you or something. Did I sell it? That's right. Cooper sold that card. He found a Brett Brooker super collector and, and sold that card. So I hope that guy's happy with it. But like, uh, uh, that guy's to be thrilled because uh, he's actually having a little bit of a year. But yeah, Alonzo, he's about, feared. He's about 40 years old now, right? <laughs> but, he's not a prospect no more. Is that what you're telling me? I mean, he's he definitely, I mean, I, I collected him because he was an SEC guy. When I see these guys that come through the SEC and I watch them play against the Gamecocks, 
I don't know. Like it probably puts a little bit of rose-covered glasses over him. And I, I mean, he he was one of those guys, and I watched him take BP when he was at uh, Mississippi State. He would just, I mean, golly, man, he he could hit baseball so daggum far. But and you know, to, to your point, that's why I'm on him. I'm looking at him right now. He's 28 years old, right? He's finally coming around. And hey, you know, he may be a late bloomer. He may, you know, he heck, he may even end up being an all star for the next 10 years until he retires. We don't know. But from a collectability standpoint, um, not really getting it going until you're 28 just crushes you from a collectible. Yeah, you know, yeah especially, especially when you're talking about a guy, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a corner outfielder or he, you know, played some corner infield back you, you you're not playing the electric positions or whatever so yeah not a guy's got a ton of collectible upside but um but one where again hopefully the guy that bought that card from me hopefully he's uh hopefully he's happy with it and i, I was happy with it i was able to turn a little profit on it on the, on the flip side i was looking at jackson holiday who was the number one pick um you know in the draft and he's hitting well over 300 he's in high a so he's doing really really well it seems like his cards are doing well um his super has been pulled right uh, I believe so. And have you seen how many of the I know I saw at least one red. I don't know how many reds have been pulled. How are those boxes doing? Are those Bowman draft boxes still? Are they, yeah, they people still people still buy them? Uh, I know we had some of those. Um, IPX auction. IPX auction. They give a few more of them to run next time too. We're going to do another one of those. I told everybody we we're trying to get about a month in between them. Don't want to kind of overdo it with any one thing, but. So yeah, so uh, let's let's kind of segue that over into the uh, the BPX auction world and kind of what we've got going on. What have you seen from your seat? You know, it seems to me everything's moving along, doing well. Um, items seem to be, you know, selling around comps. Everyone seems to be really, really excited. I'm looking at it strictly from a, you know, can I can I buy something and put it in our store and sell it? Um, you know, that's just the way I look at it. I bid on about twelve items in the last auction, and I got outbid on everything. Um, so I know you had a one, you had one good look early on because we talked about it in Discord. You bought a judge and had somebody buy it like two days later, right? Like you, you just right. had one good look out of there. No, that's right. And I and I bought some other stuff. I mean, I bought a Musial, uh, I bought a Jeter autograph. You know, I bought a few different things. But yeah, the judge was one that that I bought and uh, you know turned around and sold it to a big judge collector and you know turned a nice profit. And then in turn, I went and uh, you know used that. Use those funds to get some more BPX. You reload, reload your buying power. I think that's the. So, like when we look at everything, we're we're like, you know, for in our world, one BPX is one BPX. But at the same time, I'm not blind. I know that there's a market, and it's just been, I mean, just it's just been exactly what we would have expected for this token to be, where it's just nice and steady, and people are getting it to use it, and it's just all the things that we said it was is what's coming to fruition, and that's great, and um. You know, and then we we want to obviously grow and get more people embracing and adopting it. But when you look at that kind of what people are like, what you can reload for on a Uniswap, and then you take that and 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 apply it back to the auctions and kind of where we because we do the, the the cards have comp values, right? We comp all the cards, so we have an idea of what they're worth. And of course, we use public data for that. Anybody can do that. And then there's a level of subjectivity to it. But where we peg the cards, um, every auction has been above comp so far as a whole. Now, early on, right after the reward, it was 160% of comp. And and that, well, I knew that wasn't gonna sustain, right? So, and now the last couple, it's been literally we're within 3,000 or 5,000 overall BPX. Um, I actually didn't, I actually haven't gotten a date on the Sunday, but I'm pretty sure it's gonna be very close. But the one before that, the throwback Thursday was within like 5,000 BPX of kind of where we would have expected it to go so people i think are definitely getting back now things are starting to normalize people view it for the buying power that it's got and i think they're all a lot of them are treating it the same way you are and um and if it's like if i don't get something today i can get something tomorrow and kind of that's right and i, and I would tell you the biggest challenge i see is uh, is the gas and i think you've addressed that but you're going to work on it like I said, I you know I made a dozen bids on on some stuff uh, Sunday, and you know, obviously each time you bid, you're spending some gas. It just seems to be yeah. So, so it's a it's a it's a pain point that we get the security of the blockchain, we get the transparency of the blockchain, which is amazing because, man, the transparency is nice. But um, the moving it off chain will 
allow us to get rid of that gas. It'll allow us to do things where like right now, sometimes the clock gets a little bit out of sync because we rely on a node provider to tell us what's happening on the blockchain. We, we have to have, there, there are companies that watch the blockchain and you subscribe to their service. We actually subscribe to multiple ones so we can try to keep like our, our auction clock in sync. But there are times where if you're sitting there watching it, it might say that the auction is ended. And then that node provider comes back 30 seconds, a minute later and pings us and says, oh no, we got a bid right before time expired. You need to start the clock back. The clock fires back up. The auction was 100% on chain. You can go back and verify it. Um, but it's just that UI thing that's a little bit clunky and people look, I don't like it either. Uh, so we get some things that are amazing. The on-chain transparency, there are actually rules around, I think it's probably why eBay doesn't disclose bidder names because there's actually some nuanced rules around auctions because when it's fully decentralized, it's, it's on the blockchain. It just, that's just how it works. It's like, you're not, you're not putting anything in my database. I'm not disclosing anything private that you've told me, but like when I place a bid with eBay, that's private. And they, that's, I think that's the reason that they are hashing their, their, their IDs, why they don't tell you who the bidder was. Um, they, so they're, they're trying to give the market some comfort that, this is the bidder had this much feedback score or whatever, and it can be set fully private. A lot of that is built around some nuanced auction rules in various jurisdictions. So we're, we're actually having to look into some of that stuff because we're going to have to worry about those same type things that we didn't have to worry about on chain. So we're going to give up a lot of transparency. We just are. And I'll point people back to this when we do. Um, because right now, everything that happens, you can go and look at it see when the bids came in, see who made the bid. Even if you don't know who they are, you can track back and say, okay, what did they do to claim their BPX? Did they get it off of Uniswap? Did they claim it with miners? How did they get it? All that stuff, you can you can suss it out. Once we go off chain, a lot of that's going to be lost. And um, personally, as somebody who really wanted and wants to lean into a lot of the, the advantage of the blockchain, I don't love that, but I'm conceding the point to the market the market wins, gas is too damn high, it's too expensive, nobody wants to pay it, and the market would rather trust the auction house, i.e. us, than pay gas fees. And I think, so it's it's very clear, and we're gonna make that, that change. I wish we could have our cake and eat it too, but between different regulations, um, between, um, you know, bringing it off chain, it's just, uh, just, just where we're gonna be. But the goal is to make it better, and, uh, and the goal is to give people better use of their BPX token, and I think uh, I think we're going to achieve that. I think we will, I think the the big gain we're going to get, Aaron, is that once we can go to a database, we'll be able to allow Web three natives, which I would count everyone who is holding BPX today as a Web three native. They may not feel they're fully Web three native yet, but if you've got a wallet and you got BPX in it, you're Web three native at this point. Um, but allowing the Web3 natives to coexist with normies that want to come and bid, they want to consign, they want to do these things, but they don't want to screw around with a crypto wallet. And that's the big thing that moving it off chain will allow us to do because we can sit in the middle and facilitate that at where we can allow both of those types of users to coexist. And then from an onboarding standpoint, I personally think that for the same cost of onboarding one crypto native user, we can probably onboard 10 or 20, you know, eBay type bidders that just want to sign up with an email and a password and bid. And if they win, they want to pay their bill. And, um, and we can onboard a lot more of those. And then if one out of 10 of those moves over and really becomes web three native, now they're, now we're, we're getting some real growth on the web three side. And I think that's, that could be the Holy grail for the whole thing. So Hear you loud and clear on gas. Um, I wish it wasn't the way it is, but uh, that's kind of where we are. Uh, anything else that you're seeing as far as um, we had, did you did you were you able to tune in for the live auction that we did? Because that's what's this timing wise. I try to keep the podcast where it can live and not be so timing specific. But as we're recording this, there's another live auction tomorrow night. I did the first one. I was the auctioneer. Yeah, I thought that's all great job at that. That's not me. Um, not a high beast. So this time I'm actually turning it over to, uh, we, we, re we refer to them affectionately at the office as the boys. They're the, the main group of guys. It's Cooper, James, Matthew, and Tony. 
they're kind of the main guys that are handling the consignment business and that sort of stuff. I'm handing it to them and saying, all right, you guys do it and let's see how they do. And uh, so I'm, I'm anxious to tune in tomorrow and uh, and see how they how they do with it. They got to stretch their wings and fly. So we're going we're gonna to see how they do with it. Have you actually seen the TV series, The Boys? That's the one where they kill the superheroes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If, if you haven't watched it, you should watch it because y'all might not refer to them as the boys in the office anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Caroline's probably the one that coined them the boys. Like every time she would say, she said, I gave it to the boys, or I did gave it to the boys. It's like, it, um, of course, if they were females and we said we gave it to the girls, that would be very, uh, that wouldn't fly, right? But it's okay, your sister boys. <laughs> when, uh, I, uh, I did see your uh, your first live auction. You know, you were on there DJing it and seeing it, whatever you want to call it, auctioneering. Um, and, you know, it was great. Uh, seemed like people were super excited. Uh, you know, my thing is, you better know card values because um, yeah, it was fast and furious and it was a lot of fun. And every time I would sit there and you flash a card up, I would sit there and I'd be like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bid X. And before I'd get the button and the thing, they were blowing past the numbers. And I was like, holy cow, these guys are, these guys. They were all drunk. Everybody was drunk on BPX at that point, too. Like we had just, done the airdrop like so i think this one will be much more tempered um i think you'll see some deals because there will be some cards that probably people will i think they'll shoot they'll miss in the other direction i think it's probably well known that that first auction everything went super high we also had that deal where if judge hit a home run um they were going to get them for free i'm going to make that deal if judge hits a home run thursday we'll uh we'll refund well, he, he's on the he's on the il yes that that oops <laughs> No, just kidding. Uh, but no, it's. Uh, I don't think we're going to do that again because it. But uh, we were trying to do some fun stuff with it being new, and um, but uh, I, I know they have some some surprise. I know they're going to bring the 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 let's make a deal boxes back. Um, the uh, I I do know what card they're going to do for that, and um, it's a it's a good solid card. Um, it's strong. It's not as, as I'll just tell everybody that may hear this is not as strong as maybe the first one was. So just keep that in mind. Um, but, uh, but it's a strong card. It doesn't suck. And, uh, so they're going to do that. I know. And then I, I actually, I've kind of given them a bit of a wide berth, so they may have some stuff that'll even surprise me. And I don't even know what's going to come. I'm, I, uh, I, I may actually, uh, I'm actually throw a, a bit on something just just so I can feel something, feel alive, and feel like I'm in there. Like uh, all, all I need to know is is there any more um, Billy, Mr. Billy Bubbles um, items that are going to be in this? Because I hope not. Like I hope he doesn't chew up any more of my stuff. He actually did that little Joker. He got a hold of one of my Bantam cards that I that we do our play deck with, and he put like one tooth mark through it. Luckily, I saved it before he chewed it all the crap, but. That boy is a he is a cardboard munching dog. I gotta I gotta keep keep him away from everything. So, um, so we're getting up on the hour. But a couple other quick things. Um, I I assume you know this, but like we like the gas has been a bigger pain as of lately because of these. We're in, we're in a bit of a you know metas come and go. The hot things come and go, and right now the big meta is altcoins, and we've seen this uh, Pepe coin. I mean, there are some people that got that thing at the very bottom, you know, when it had a million dollar market cap or less, a hundred thousand dollar market cap, and it's now got a five hundred million dollar market cap. You know, those people have logged like thousand X type gains, and so um, it's at five hundred million now. So now, if somebody buys, the risk and reward definitely changes. It has to go to a billion for them to double, has to go to two billion for them to four X, but it's still they're they're hot. And, um, and what's really hot is what's called the MEV bots, the minor extracted value. And those are the bots that are able to do things like sandwich attacks when people buy a lot of the token at one time. And we even see that in BPX sometimes. Every now and then you'll see a, a, a sandwich attack. If somebody comes in and buys a lot of the token, um, what will happen is the bot, they'll be watching the blockchain and they'll see your transaction coming and they know what you're going to buy. And so they'll slip in They'll, they'll juice the gas, they'll slip in in front of you, buy as much as they can to not move the price outside of your slippage range. Your buy still goes through, and then they immediately sell on the backside after you've driven the price up. That's called a sandwich attack. And those happen in these altcoins. They're just 
nonstop. And, and, and because of that, those MEV bots, they're paying an inflated gas price, increasing the competitiveness in gas overall. So if you just want to do something like put in a bid in our auction, you're still competing in the same block space as those MEVs. And that's why we've seen, I mean, we're not talking anywhere back to like bull run when we were paying hundred dollars to transfer an nft a 721 token but it is it is way up and so the last auction um it came down a little bit that night but during that day it was it was 10 bucks to do a put a bid in so we do have the bpx rebate if you make a qualifying bid if you up a bid by five percent um and you're within 25 percent of the final price we will refund 100 bpx we'll aggregate all those up and send them out at one time on a monthly or so cadence and uh, so that will basically give you that gas back. And then I have doubled it a few times where it's been particularly bad. Like last weekend, we, um, uh, yeah, Sunday night, I, I, I doubled it because we had a lot of that MEV activity. So that's what we're seeing in the broader uh, crypto space. Blur just released some interesting stuff with uh, allowing people to leverage buy NFTs. We'll see how some of that stuff plays out. Um, you know, our collections as a whole still... It's, uh, it's, 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 it's good and it's, it, we, we certainly want to grow. We want more exposure, um, but at the same time, our collector base is, is really solid and um, we haven't experienced a lot of the downsides that a lot of other collections have seen as a result of some of these activities because we've, we've kind of gone a different way away from the DGEN crowd to the collector crowd. And then as we do the auctions and onboard more collectors, and I'm looking forward to national this year. And, and once we get the auction more normalized where people can just show up and bid with a credit card, they don't have to do anything other than just like signing up for eBay. And then we'll have some minimal hoops they can jump over to get a little bit of credit limit. So a lot of cool stuff happening there on the BPX side. Um, we do have our next RAS coming up. Um, Again, that's just for any first-time listeners and you hear the word RAS, uh, you may think, wait a minute, you're running illegal raffles? No, we don't. We just took that word because it's a, it, it's a good word that everybody kind of understands. But the way that ours is, it's a sweepstakes. So we have some different NFTs you can buy. They're called Infinite Moments. They're, they're, they're highly collectible in our ecosystem. They give you points and those points get you rewards. And they're, if you hit some of the black 101s and the golds, they actually hold value really well. You can go back and look at the old ones and see how they're still holding value, which has been really cool to see. Uh, and then in addition to that, when you hold those, they're $5 a pack. And uh, for every infinite moment you hold on a specific date, you'll get a bunch of entries to participate in a RAS and try to win a bunch of real life cards. And this upcoming RAS is over $200,000 worth of cards. It's headlined by that, um, that, uh, that, that Giannis Silver, I'd say, is probably the single biggest card in there right now. I'd have to go back and look at the full set list and see. But there's some big cards in there that you can win. And Aaron, you've had some really good success in the RAS over the last 18 months. You know, for sure. I, I love it. You know, I mean, um, you know, I enjoy, you know, trading uh, and that could be in mind, you know, but my biggest thing to everyone is uh, just have a strategy. You know, I love, I love the RAS, love the component. Uh, just have a strategy, stick to your strategy, you know, whether it's trading to, to accumulate a stack of a particular one or, or a couple that you want to try to chase or heck, even rip and ride. You know, some people like, you know, buy a bunch and they just want to play the odds and figure they'll get a couple that'll survive late and then maybe they can cut a deal, you know, later on. But, um, you know, I always tell people, have a strategy. I've talked to a few guys I know, they're like, hey man, you've done pretty good in this. And I'm like, yeah, I've won some stuff. And uh, and then they're like, can you, can you teach me about it? And I'm like, you want the red pill or the blue pill? And then uh, we start ha having the conversation of the dialogue and uh, you can just start to see their, their, uh, the wheels turning upstairs and, uh, they, you know, they're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And, and our plan for that as we continue to grow is that's one that's a product that I've said this before. It does a great job of building the community because it allows people to trade and participate together. I guess it's been a big part of our success in galvanizing our community. Um, not a lot of profit in it for us. No profit in this. It's a cost center for us, net. Um, but it's uh, it's something that we want to continue to do. But the way that we're going to hopefully grow that is as some of these new people on board uh, to do the simple things like bid in an auction and that sort of thing. Then they come and they get in Discord and they engage with our other the rest of our community. And again, it's one of those things that one out of ten of those people roll up their sleeves and want to get in that RAS, and we're able to onboard those people ten to one, twenty to one. Um, it could, be, it could be a really powerful growth driver. We could have some pretty cool razzes uh, down the road with a lot more participants. And, and then that just continues to feed that cycle back of giving us 
that much stronger of a base to build off of. So it's an important product for us. I'm excited about this one coming up because we haven't had one in a while because we were working to get all the major franchises aligned, get them out. We're getting the BPX token out. So we haven't wrapped. When is, you may know better than me because you participate. You're, I don't, I don't participate in the rest. Was it November? No, we did. We did one around Christmas. We did. A, we had. We had a. We had, had, had one. Yeah, you did one. Like, so that would have been the last one. So it's been a minute, and uh, so I know everybody's everybody's excited for that, and that's coming up, and uh, I'm excited to watch that as well. So, well, anything else you want to cover? I got Billy jumping up my lap. I think he's telling me it's time for him to eat. Uh, <laughs> anything else that? Uh, no, I mean you definitely better take care of Billy. Uh, I'm looking forward to the RAS. You know, I'm excited about all things BPX right now. Uh, you know, I'm gonna continue. You know. Uh, bidding in these auctions and, uh, you know, continue to support them, sending stuff all the way around. I enjoy being part of the ecosystem and, uh, you know, coming on here talking about the, the, the hobbies and what geeking out and, uh, you know, maybe we'll do it again down the road. Yeah, man. Always. All right, buddy. Well, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later and, uh, we'll wrap this episode up. Thanks everyone for geeking out with us. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to another episode of Geeking Out, the podcast for collectors. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on all things related to collecting. Remember, new episodes are coming every week. So until next time, keep geeking out.